And I love those words, because that's what we're all called to be. It's not just for the preacher in the pulpit. It's not just for the five-fold ministry. It is for everybody to be a mountain mover. Right? Holy Ghost fire preacher, right? I can't remember the words, but I'm like, that should be everybody's heart. Screaming the gospel as you live life around those around you. And I loved those words. They just meant so much to my heart. And it kind of changed my message. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, we worship you. I set this time before you, God. This is for you, Father. Minister to these people here, Lord. Use my mouth to speak and declare your word. Open their ears. Help them to open their ears. Teach them how to open their ears and open their hearts to receive your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, that they may bear fruit a hundredfold in Jesus' name. So Ephesians 2, I lift my voice a bit louder. That was me. So I used to be, go ahead and hang out there for a minute. So I was the quiet one who sat in the back of the church. And nobody, I didn't want anybody to talk to me. Not one person. Leave me alone. If God's going to show up in my life, he needs to show up in my life. I don't need anybody to convince me of God. I need God to show up. And that was me sitting in the back. I think we've shared our testimony before. We were, um, well, I was. I didn't really share my husband's. Um, I was addicted to uh, crystal meth years ago when I was young, and I talked about that and how I cried out to God one night after a seven or a two-week stay in a period. And I was like, God, I just want to be free. And I didn't know how to be free. And I didn't even know I was really asking to be free. I don't think I really said it like that. Because I didn't know what I needed from God. But God knew what I needed from Him. And as long as I called out to Him, He answered me. And the word says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that was my starting point. That was the time that just... It, it took a long time though, to still get me here, but that's when it started, when I did that. So as I sat in the back and God began to invade my life because I let him. I let him do it. I didn't just sit back and, and be like, well, I'm just going to sit here and, you know, whatever. Whatever God said, I did it. If he said to jump, I jumped. If he said to shout, I shouted. Sometimes at the preacher, they always say that the preacher usually senses the flow of the Spirit, and you're supposed to follow what the preacher's saying to do. So if the preacher's saying shout, you should shout. And this is how I was trained up. And so my, my voice got louder. Like, really loud. <laughs> I was the one in church that people were like, wow, she's flipped. That was me, but I don't care. Because I had a heart on fire. And I still have a heart on fire. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed but because I cried out to him. So I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, really quick, and it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not of works, least anyone should boast. So it's not because you come to church every day that you're saved, although it is good to come to church. 
every day, not just once a week. <laughs> Have church at home too. But the word says not to forsake the assembly. But you're saved because of the grace of God that he has bestowed on your life, my life, all of our lives. And it's by that grace that we're saved. Paul talks about, because of the grace should I sin, so that the grace of God could abound more in my life, be more evident? And he says, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But the things that we abound in now is the work of the ministry, so that the grace of God can rest on us in the work of the ministry, so that we can live God in front of people, everywhere we are. In Luke, Jesus sends out his disciples, first his 12, right? Then he goes back later and he sends out the 70. And they came back to Jesus, saying, man, even the devils are subject unto us. Even demons are subject to those who believe in Jesus Christ. And that was the delegated authority. That wasn't even the power of the Holy Spirit at that point in time. The Holy Spirit is that, the power of the working of the miraculous. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. To regenerate us, to, to um, make our spirits born again, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. But the power of the Holy Spirit, we talked about the power in Luke. The power of the Holy Spirit, or excuse me, in Acts. That power is talking about miraculous ability, doing ability, miraculous workings. When you talk about the power of the miraculous and you go back into Exodus when Moses was in front of Pharaoh, and you guys all remember the story, but Moses would throw down his rod, or Aaron, Aaron would throw down the rod and it would become a snake, and then all the magicians would throw down their rods and they'd all become snakes. But Moses' rod ate all the other snakes. Because God is the number one authority over every principality, power, every spiritual wickedness of darkness, every bit of witchcraft. God is the number one power and authority. But miraculous ability is ability. But God's ability is over that. So the, the disciples walked, the 70 walked in delegated authority. So we have both delegated authority. But the disciples didn't have miraculous authority. We have the Holy Spirit that gives us miraculous ability as well. God is expecting us to walk in His grace, in His ability, to accomplish His work in this area. In every area that you live here. So you're called to this area. You're called to lay hands on the sick in this area. You're called to love people in this area. In the love of God, it tells us to spread abroad upon our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so that was freaking out because I had a hard time loving people. Um, it was difficult. But I think I shared before how God taught me to love people. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, but God taught me before how to love people. And he told me that I had to find the one good thing in me. I know I shared this before. But God wants me to share it to find the one thing, it doesn't matter. Maybe they have amazing hair, maybe they have a, an amazing smile, maybe they have, um, maybe they cook really super good. Um, just there's something about everybody. Because if you want God to see the goodness and the faithfulness in you, then you've got to find it in everybody else. 
Because that same goodness and the same faithfulness that he finds within you, he finds in your worst enemy. You have to find what God has found within him. Yeah, he loves us. Of course he does. That, that, that almost goes without saying. But to be able to be, to love others is by his power. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that spreads that love of God, that love that he has for everybody else upon our hearts. And so when you can't do it, you say, God, and you can be real with God. You really can't. You can be real with God. And you can say, I am pissed at that person. I cannot believe how they could do that. And then a lot of people say, how could you let that do that? Then that to me, God. And you can't. If God had control over that person, then that means he has control over everybody, which means everybody's already saved. That's not the case. You can look at the world and know that everybody's not saved. God doesn't have control over everybody. So it's up to us to bear the fruit of love within our lives. And we only do that by the grace of God. We can't do it in our own words. Trust me, my flesh is like, I don't like them. <laughs> I ain't going to talk to them. I don't even want to pray for them, right? And then what does Matthew tell us? Matthew says to pray for your enemies. Pray for those who hurt you and spitefully use you. That's what Matthew tells us to do. Or that's what the book, that's what Holy Spirit tells us to do in the book of Matthew. I'm telling you, if you want a touch from God, you have to have a sincere cry to God. That day I was set free, I was in just such a bad, bad spot. Such a bad spot. I was dragging Jehovah's Witnesses into the home because I, the only thing I knew is that God was greater than anything. That's all I knew about. I knew it, but I knew that. I carried around a red Bible that when I opened it up, I couldn't even read it. It was all like scrambled letters. I could not understand it. And I'm dragging Jehovah's Witnesses. Finally, they stopped coming, which is really odd for Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> they usually don't stop coming. Um, they usually keep coming until they get you committed, or not committed, not committed, but they was not committed, submitted to their church. And then they, then they've got you, so to speak, I guess I would say. I don't know, that's a poor choice of words. But anyway. <laughs> Thank you. But, but when I cried out to God, it was a sincere cry, I needed him in my life. And he showed up. I didn't know how to ask him. But he knew what I needed when I asked. And he showed up. Because whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. If you're in a situation that you need God to show up in your life, you call upon his name. And you tell him, I don't even know what to ask for God, but you know what I need. So just save me from this situation. Just help me. Let your grace abound in my life, God. Help me to reflect you around the community and be who you are. Okay, so let's see. I have peace through the trouble. I have joy through the struggle. And now my hope is in a brighter day. So yeah, we rest in the peace of God. And it's not our peace. He even says, I give you my peace when I leave. Not as the world gives peace, but I give you my peace. And that peace of God... When you are endeavoring to know God, um, it, it, it's a process to learn how to rest in that peace. But you learn to trust God in situations. Um, and it's by just letting go and knowing that God is for you. I think the scripture I was talking to my husband this morning on the way here 
was that all things work for the good, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And that purpose only means redemption. It doesn't mean that you have to be walking in a perfect, the perfect will of God for your life. You know, it's not that that strict. God's not that, that um, he's got grace. You know what I mean? He's not going to make you, oh, forget it. You missed it right there. You're out. Forget it. You can't have my peace now. He's not my God. He's a good God. He's faithful. He wants you to have this peace. Oh, okay. Sorry, Adam. He wants you to have his peace. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. So it surpasses all understanding because it doesn't make sense that you would have peace in the situation that you're in. And that's why it surpasses understanding. Your, your mind can't fathom. You can look at somebody going through chaos, going, how could they possibly be at peace right now? Well, because we've learned how to trust in God. And it's a process. It doesn't come automatic. If it did, if it was that easy, then everything would be that easy with God. And it's not. It's a relationship. And some of us have a better relationship with our television than we do with God. We do. I did. I know I did. <laughs> but I know I did. And nothing really changed until I really started shutting things down from the world and started opening up the book. Opening up the Word. So God's not... He can work the miraculous. But he doesn't have control over your free will. He doesn't have control over anybody else's free will. And so it's you taking the time out to dedicate to him and being intentional, shutting down those things that the world uses to distract you and focusing your time on him. He is to be number one in your life. So I've joy through the struggle. So when you're in a struggle, I know it sounds dumb, because, but that's because the things of God confuse the world, right? He says he used the simple things to confound the wise. And the world says, well, when you're in a struggle, you have to have a plan. You need to make sure you do this and do that and do that and make sure all your ducks are in a row and make sure you've taken care of this, right? Because you're in a struggle. But when we have joy through the struggle, it's because God says that when we are in joy, that is when his strength rests upon us. That's not right. What is it, babe? The joy of the Lord is my strength. There we go. The joy of the Lord is when our strength comes. That's when you're strengthened. So you're going through a struggle, and you know what? You're just like, God, I just rejoice in you. I just love you because you're God, and you're wonderful, and you're going to make it all work out for me. And you're going to tell me what to do, when I need to do it, and I take no thought, and I just give it back to you, God. And it's a process, because our minds, we are constantly wanting to think and work things out. We've been raised, right? From the day we're born, we're raised to become independent, to figure things out, to um, get our foot out stuff from a, a, a bicycle or something when we fall. So we're trained to figure things out. And so we have to learn to shut down our minds and then have God fix our troubles for us. And we do that in joy and in his peace. It's not our peace. Don't try to, don't try to just, okay, let me at peace. 
No? Maybe I didn't see it. Maybe I was thinking I saw it. Did anybody else see it? When it says we're going to be at, it might be right after this. There it is. Let's see. I'm in the hands of the healer, the arms of the Savior. His grace makes me who I am. We dwell in the hands of our healer. We're healed. We're in the arms of our Savior, and His grace is what makes us who we are. We don't do it in ourselves. It's His grace and ability that He places on us. But the thing I wanted to get to about this one is that we are now, I guess I did sing it wrong. It says, I'm in the hands. I say when I am the hands of the healer. And I am the arms of the Savior. And that's how I sing it. So I guess I read it wrong, but glory be to God. Preach it, right? Come on. This is who we are. We are now the hands of the healer. This is who you are. If you are in Jesus Christ, if you've been redeemed, if you have been born again, set free by God, you are now the hands of the healer. He told, thank you, he told his disciples to go out and lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That's who you are now. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is who you are. So we are the hands of the healer. We are the arms of the Savior. Man, you know how many times you've been to Jesus, just distraught, needing that hug and love and encouragement? That's who you are now. You're the hands, you're the arms of the Savior. You gotta love people. You gotta love people. You gotta love people. You don't have to agree with them. But you have to love them. There's a scripture that talks about turning the cheek. Your enemies smite you on the left side, turn him also on the right side. That's not talking about being in a fight. It's talking about just let them have the, the point. If you're in an argument, just give it to them. Just give it to them. And love them. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? They want to be validated. They want to be right. Let them be right. Be the arms of the Savior. Because if anybody had a right to be right in an argument, it was Jesus Christ. If anybody had a right to be right, it was Jesus Christ. And what did he do? Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. They don't know. They're not where you're at. Are you the one in church? You are. Are they here? No, but they're looking at you to reflect the arms of the Savior. And Jesus is like, man, I need you to show them my love. But if you're the one wanting to be vindicated, there's nothing Jesus can do about that. You're just going to be in an argument. And nobody will be right because you want to be right and they want to be right. That's called a stalemate. That's no one wins. No one wins. Let them be right and let Jesus win. Let them be right and let Jesus win their soul. Let them be right. 
go and cry about it to God and tell him it's not fair because I'll tell you what, it's not. I'll just tell you right now, it's not fair. But he didn't call us to live life in fairness or right or wrong or whatever. Life's not fair. Should we not reflect the love of a seeker? We should. We really should. And then do we do it in that, our own ability? No, we revert, we revert back to the grace of God and His love being spread about upon our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You don't have to do it in yourself. I can tell you right now, you can't do it within yourself. But you do it by getting into the Word of God and prayer. You pray for your enemies. You pray for those who hurt you and spitefully use you. Let them win. Let them win. Because by letting them win, Christ wins. He wins. He paid for it. And he deserves all of them. He deserves every person. He deserves every person. He really does. He deserves every person to shout glory. So let's go back to the, the water walker, mountain mover. Okay, so now, this is me. When I learned this about myself, this is when my voice got loud. And this is what your voice needs to be about, because this is exactly who you are. This is who every single person who comes in this church is. The, there are people out there who say they're Christian and they don't bother coming to church, and they do not walk in this. They won't walk in this. They won't, because they just can't comprehend this, because this comes from the body of Christ. It comes no other way. That's why there's unity. That's why there's a church. I'm serious. If you don't do it alone. You don't do it alone, because that's not how God is. God's very much, he's a collective God. He wants everybody in, he wants everybody doing it, he wants everybody flowing in this stuff. So this is who we are. We are mountain movers. We call those things not as though they are. That's what we get to do. That's exactly what we get to do. We, if something looks awful, it looks terrible, you go to scripture about that situation, you say, what does the word say about that? Ah, this is what the word said. The word says, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Mountain of dead, move, because my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So that's how you become a mountain mover. Whatever that mountain is that you are staring at, you go to the word and you find out how to move a mountain. What is the scripture that attacks that mountain? And you attack it with the word. And you move the mountain. Amen? We are a water walker. People will not know how we do it. They're going to see things, and that's what's going to make them go, I didn't do that. Like, God. <laughs> God, you want to know? Come to church. You want to know? Come to church. Submit to God, and he will fix things for you. People will see miraculous things happen in your life and they just won't understand. And you're going to be like, that's because I'm a water walker. <laughs> the miraculous happens in my life because I serve a great and mighty God. Amen? I am more than just an overcomer. You guys, we don't just get over. Like, I didn't just, just become um, a non-drug addict. I'm telling you, my life was drastically changed. I wasn't 
just an overcomer. I am more than just an overcomer. I not only overcame drugs, I, God helped me overcome alcoholism. He helped me overcome a loveless life. He helped me overcome just hurts from being abandoned when I was a child, time and time and time again. I, I think I shared that as well. Because I've been set free. Those things have no more hold on me. I am not bound to those hurts and those bondages that kept me down for so long. Because the Lord caused me to be set free. And whom the Lord sets free is free indeed. I'm hearing some of you. Amen. That's right. So you are more than just an overcomer. You're not walking this little no, no more little humble Christian. He wants you to be a mountain mover, a water walker, more than just an overcomer. We want to be the gospel of Jesus Christ walking in the community. Amen. He wants a church to explode. He wants a church to be on fire. I think there's a scripture, there's a verse in there that talks about my heart's on fire. Let's go to that one, Adam, if you can find that one. And then we'll close with that. There it is. I'm a gospel preacher. Heart on fire. That's the one. Gospel preacher. Every single one of you, when you walk in the community, if they know you and they know you come to this church, you have already automatically become a gospel preacher. They are looking at you. They are looking at you. They want to know, is God really that good? And you're going to be like, God is so good to me. God is so good to me. You ought to know how good God is. Why don't you come and find out how good God is? Amen. So you are all a gospel preacher, a heart on fire. Timothy, Paul tells Timothy to stir himself up in the Holy Spirit. I know we had a youth meeting a while ago. We had um, 11 people filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He tells him to stir himself up. And you stir yourself up, and it says, by praying in the Spirit. So you pray in the Holy Spirit. You stir yourself up. You come to meetings. You get hands laid on you. You get a good fire preaching gospel written person in here. And you get stirred up and sparked for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because this is who he needs you to be. He needs you to be on fire. He needs you to get around people and people are scorched. They're either scorched with conviction, not because you said anything, because the power of God rests on you. They're convicted. They're like, dang, I don't know if you're in. You lose conviction. Uh-oh, <laughs> must be our way. And I didn't do anything but want to love them. I, I just wanted to hug them and love them. I didn't know until somebody preached it to me, and I'm like, oh, that's why they're avoiding me. Okay, well, I'll pray for them then. You know, because they're having issues, so I'm going to pray. Because I want them to be on fire, just like me. Freedom, sing, and testify. I testify the goodness of God. And everywhere you are in your community, you should be doing the same thing. The Lord set me free. The Lord took care of that bill. The Lord healed my body. The Lord, whatever it is that he did, you should be testifying that continuously. Amen? So I encourage you. If you need a stir, come on up and I'll pray for you to be stirred. If you need a stir, come on up. If, Adam, if you want to play that song, and we'll just close in that, and uh, you want to come up and be stirred, and then we'll close in prayer. When we're done, come on up and we'll pray for you. We'll lay hands on you. You want to be stirred for God? I'm telling you, I am a stir. I know I am. I am a stir. You want to be stirred? Come get stirred. Come get stirred. Come on, I'm telling you. Be that testimony. Be that testimony to that person in your community. In the name of Jesus. Turn this up, Adam. This is a good one. 
Hallelujah. Amen, honey.